Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Detour Life. Detour Life is a game changer for both family law professionals and clients alike. Detour Life is an innovative online program which guides clients to easily input and organize the exhaustive document and financial disclosure process and provides professionals with streamlined and secure case management. In addition, Detour Life has comprehensive client onboarding, a secure document repository, income and expense sync, parenting plan agreement features, and much more. I use Detour Life myself, and honestly, one of my favorite features, and one that my clients love as well, is that they can securely link all of their financial accounts directly to the Detour Life platform so that their information is automatically uploaded and updated as time goes on. So whether you're getting a divorce or are a divorce professional, I urge you to check it out yourself Go to Detour Life, that's D-T-O-U-R dot L-I-F-E, and sign up for their free 14-day trial. Then use code SUSAN20 to get 20% off the cost of subscription. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. And you understand your identity as you're going through this sometimes very terrible divorce process. If you can understand yourself, that's not only going to help you and your children and your family grow and thrive post-divorce, but you might understand that your maintaining lifestyle looks a lot different because your values change. And financially, that could mean a whole different value change altogether. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I'm quite excited because I have, as you know, I enjoy my guests with all kinds of initials after their last names, and my guest today, Olivia Summerhill, has more initials, I think, than anyone else I've ever had on the show. Uh, She is a financial expert, but she is a certified financial planner, a certified divorce financial analyst, CDFA. You know I love the CDFAs. A certified divorce specialist. Uh, Everybody who heard Liz Becker on the show, Liz uh, does that training. Go back and listen to Liz's Um, episode, which was on setting yourself up for good conversations, even in divorce. And she's a certified money coach. Um, And we, as you may have guessed, are going to be talking about money today. (laughs) So yeah, I'm not going to ask her to dive into psychology issues, although there's a lot of psychology around money as we know. But Olivia also is the founder of a financial consulting firm called The Summerhill Firm. Tricky with the name there, Olivia. You got got really... wild with that. And she also has, go check this out, her own podcast that's called Divorce for Wealthy Women. I'm super happy to have you here today, Olivia. This is going to be a really interesting podcast episode. I am so excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. So exciting. It has. 
You and I were introduced by a, a mutual friend in New York who I've actually, actually, she's not even in New York yep. anymore, yep. which is, you know, a sign of how long it's yeah. been. Um, I'm actually hoping to have her on as well. This is my friend, um, Deborah, who does pet mediations and yeah. all kinds of pet um, related issues. So I'm working with her to get her on soon. But one of the things that I, I wanted to talk about, I'm always trying to help my listeners, much as I know you do, to understand really some of the terminology and nuance of what is happening in a divorce. And something that you mentioned in um, in sort of the show notes that we were going over really jumped out as me at me because I think it is often a phrase that's often used in divorce, often misunderstood as to how it applies in divorce, but it is something that everybody should know about. So what I'm talking about is the phrase standard of living and maintaining your lifestyle through divorce, right? Yeah, I see your face. You're like, because <laughs> you and I both know, right? You're the financial expert. I'm the legal expert. Mm -hmm. And we know just how tricky these phrases are and how often they'll take people down the wrong road or they'll they'll create expectations that aren't really legally or financially feasible. You use the best word ever, which is expectations. That's where I was going to go with that is I see so many times when couples are going through divorce or before they're even getting divorced and thinking about it, pre-contemplation, wherever they are in the divorce process is they have an expectation in their mind. Either it's from their friends, their family, themselves thinking that this is what they deserve. This is what they need to get. And they go for that. They have tunnel vision at, and that expectation can really mess you up in a divorce. Um, and that's what in my mind causes fighting when there really doesn't need to be. And so financially, there's a lot of expectations that need to be honed in or discussed with your team. And I absolutely, just like you, support collaborative divorces, mediated divorces, however you can do this in a calmer way, talking about it and, and really understanding your own expectation. What is a standard of living? Well, everyone's going to have a different viewpoint, right? So talking about it, what does that look like? Where are you getting those beliefs from? And, and then understanding, is that really that maintaining your lifestyle, standard of living, expectation for what you want post-divorce financially or in general, is that really what you want? Because sometimes you might not actually have the right path for you of where you want to go. You might just be having that expectation and going with it and not understanding why. So that's really, I mean, I love this. We could talk about this all day because- Let's do it. Like, what are your thoughts here? <laughs> yeah, well, and I love this because you have, I knew you were, this was going to be such a, a, the perfect topic to talk about with you because you're, you're talking about this the exact same way that I would. And I know you're coming at it because people come to your office mm -hmm. as a financial mm -hmm. professional with those expectations in place. And they do the same thing with their attorneys. They walk in and, and how many times have you heard this? Well, I just want what I'm entitled to, I, which is to maintain my standard of living. So let me just, I do want to, before we dive into it, I do want to just sort of dive into what a marital standard of living is from a legal point of view, just so that because I, this is where I think it comes from. People hear that phrase so often um, 
it from fa- you said it from friends, from family, even from their attorneys. Um, but what they don't understand is what it means. It does not necessarily mean that the way you lived well married is how you need to be continue to be living post divorce. That might be an ideal. But many, many, many cases, that's not possible. What the court is looking at is that that it varies depending on the overall marital financial status. And one thing that you and I know, and I know you can dive into this more, but, you know, when you take one household with a certain amount of income, whether it's from one side or both sides, and then you put that into two households, there's usually going to be some sort of change and strain, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and we can even talk about how when we have that one household, okay, financially, maybe one of the spouses didn't actually run the household finances. So you have one bucket and then you're splitting it into two post-divorce. Well, that one person might have not even known that there's debt or there's other things involved in that one bucket that they they might not have that ideal exact same situation pre-divorce as post-divorce financially because they didn't really understand the finances before the divorce. So there's a lot that goes into it. And I, I'll say this and stress this as much as I can today is communication and clear expectations. And that starts with, in my mind, everyone does things different, but I think it really starts with your values. And that relates so specifically to your finances and your ideal lifestyle and where you want to be in the expectations. Because If you know your core values as a human being and you understand your identity as you're going through this sometimes very terrible divorce process, if you can understand yourself, that's not only going to help you and your children and your family grow and thrive post-divorce, but you might understand that your maintaining lifestyle looks a lot different because your values change. And financially, that could mean a whole different value change altogether. So you might change exactly where your trajectory was to a whole new path because you've done your values, you've communicated and you know where you want to be. Yeah. I, you know, it's such a wonderful way that you phrase that. And I'm always telling people that divorce is not a tragedy. It's an opportunity Mm -hmm. because it is that time where you get to sit down and Mm reevaluate to a certain degree and recreate or create this Mm -hmm. new future. And I think it's, you, you made another point there that I want to emphasize for listeners, because I think that, it happens more often than they realize where someone comes through the door, someone is entering into the divorce process and they're only looking at all the pluses of their financial life. Um, And it may be because they didn't handle the finances of the household, but they see, well, we eat out five times a week. We take great vacations. We have two homes and four cars or whatever. Our kids go to private school What they don't see sometimes is the massive debt that is supporting that lifestyle. There can be huge credit card debt. There can be mortgage debt. There can be family loans or loans from other places where that money is being, you know, funded from. It's not all the good when we look at lifestyle and when we look at the family income and family assets, et cetera. It's the negative as well. And that very much tempers what's available to be divided among the parties. And usually there's family businesses that has a whole nother subset of financial debts, assets, whatever it may be, that gets very complicated very fast because I do work with the high net worth. So usually there is a lot of businesses and a lot of other things involved. 
Another point that we can talk about is a lot of times people probably come to your office because I hear this from my side. Um, they come into the lawyer's office not understanding uh, and having a blank stare on their faces of, oh my gosh, I have to know where everything is. I don't know where everything is, all the accounts, the finances, and it can be quite overwhelming. And that is when you get that team around you and, and have those conversations and understand the finances, because maybe this is the first time that you've actually, there's someone here listening today. Someone is listening today saying, this is me. And I bet it's, I bet it's like 99% of the people listening, but I'll just say yeah. at least one person listening today is thinking, oh my gosh, that's me. I, I'm, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I'm anxious. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm ignored all the time right now in this divorce process. I'm embarrassed. I don't know the finances. I have this shame around it. Gosh, I feel demoralized, almost powerless, um, pressured to understand it. There's so many emotions that go into it. And that's kind of where uh, I love what I do, because just like you, there's positives in all of this, where we can take all of those negative emotions and say, well, you know what? Let's actually go into this really easy process and get you to a better place. And it helps the whole family. If you understand the debts, the budgets, the finances, and not just the plus sides, as you mentioned, you know, actually understanding those debts or what does it mean to have those loans? Or do you really want that? I'm going to use the word artwork, but we could use, do you really want that old picture frame? Let's just, whatever we want to use today. Yeah. Uh, it just, it's really up to understanding who you are. So hopefully that helps one listener, but again, I think it's going to relate to more than one. Oh, <laughs> Let's I, be honest. Well, and I agree. You, there, unfortunately, we know there yes. are very often roles that people take in marriages mm-hmm. and often a role is the financial you know, person Mm -hmm. in the marriage. And it can often be the person who is the one who is the breadwinner Mm -hmm. as well. If you have one who is, and one who is a a stay at home parent and that's male or female, we see these days, but still, you know, we have a large predominant uh, group of women who have become, or have been the stay at home parent, the stay at home spouse. And, you know, what you're just talking about there, I think is really important for people. Cause as you pointed out at the beginning of what you were saying is it's so disempowering and scary and fear inducing to be in that place. And so people come in very entrenched in sort of this large position of, I want to be taken care of. I want to know I have enough. I want what I'm entitled to, but they have no idea what that is. And the power comes from understanding what there is to be divided, the good and the bad. And then Taking it that step further, I think that you're talking about and looking at, well, what out of that will will help me move forward the way that I want to move forward? And that's where the real power is, I think, don't you? Yes. I'm just shaking my head. Yes. That's nodding my head internally and externally. Like this is absolutely, I love these conversations because it's right on the point. And I know that we're helping people right now by hearing this because that's, and it's, it happens so often, so often, and, but you can empower yourself in a lot of ways. This is just by listening, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, just by listening. And it strikes me, you know, maybe you would share if someone, let's say a woman who's facing divorce or thinking it might be in her future. So let's do that pre-divorce person. Okay. If she were to contact you and set up a meeting with you, 
what just general topics and, and what would you be telling her to do in that first meeting? I would not tell her anything. I would be listening for, <laughs> and that's why I love my job. It's I'm just listening and I'm taking all of that information in because everything that she is saying is so powerful and it can really change what I need to talk about in our next session. So I'm listening for every cue that I can. Is she using words like anxious? Is she talking about how pre-contemplate this isn't her idea of the divorce or is it her idea? What is she thinking about with the kids? You know, is she really terrified? Is she um, excited for their future? What's going on internally as she's talking to me? And what is her biggest fear? We all have basic needs in life and money is a part of that. So in the money consulting and coaching, I'm listening to a lot of the things she's saying. And then we're going to talk about once we actually you know, get to the, the root causes and what her needs are and fears are, we'll address the things that really need to be addressed right away, which is most likely where she is in the divorce process and who we need to get involved Um, That gives her the power to make the next decision. Or a lot of times what I would love to see is, okay, this is something I haven't shared with anyone before, but I would love to see myself go out of business because no one needs me in the divorce because there's no financial problems and we're not divorcing anymore because pre-contemplative, you can actually solve a lot of your marital issues financially if you talk about it. So either I'm bringing in some experts and we're getting involved after listening to her, or we're talking about, well, maybe we don't need to go the divorce route if it was her idea, because financially, a lot of things that she might be worried about, or these things that she thinks is her husband doing might be coming from her beliefs of childhood that are still today. These behaviors and patterns are showing up. So long story short, a lot of times we can work on things the sooner, the better, if before the divorce process even happens, because what is it? Number one reason why people get divorced is the finances. I'm going to say that, but I have a huge bias and everything no, I've written. I think for, it's true. Yeah. All of the articles yeah. I've written, it's, it's always about that. So I'm, I'm going to stick with it. But if you can fix the money issues with your significant other, because sometimes that control and power that let's your example, she is saying um, he he has the control and power and the, the money is a huge issue. If we can get into these conversations sooner than later, maybe there's no divorce, right? So that's listening is the first step. Which is, you know, that's, I think that sets you apart as a professional. I know a lot of wonderful financial mm-hmm. professionals, we've had them uh, some on the show, But I think it's key for people to understand that that listening in that first session is truly important and a little unique because most financial professionals are very uh, paper oriented (laughs) or not these days, I would say spreadsheet online, Excel or whatever, or, you know, they want the facts, they want the numbers, they want to know that. And where you've really started, which is where I think it's really important for people to realize that connection between emotion and money is you're starting with the emotions and then you'll move on to the numbers. Cause clearly you're going to need to know those as well. And the power for your clients is having that understanding, knowing that they now understand, um, those numbers. And as you've just very, uh, I think powerfully said, understanding them will give people the confidence to maybe talk about them before 
in effect, maybe change before divorce might be necessary. Absolutely. I don't know too many financial professionals I've heard ever say that. So when you said that this is the first time I hope I get put out of business, I just think you'll have a different kind of business. Uh, yes, I have. I have so many other things that I love. I'm I'm in philanthropic work within the financial realm. And so I could do my volunteering as a business if I wanted to in the future. So yeah, take me out of it if I need to. Yeah. I was going to say, let's put her out of business, folks. No, <laughs> no. I think I, I I love that you do that. I love that you take that approach. And I think that that for people, you know, I always say that the number one emotion in divorce is fear. And if I were to say at the very first days of divorce, it's definitely fear. It may look like anger because, but underneath anger is fear. You know, that's, that's where it comes from. And, and fear is around not having enough. And it could be, if it's about your children, not having enough time with them, not having enough of their love. When it comes to money, it's not having enough money. Hey listeners. I just wanted to let you know about a new feature on the podcast website. We now have a special directory of episodes that are bunched by topic. We know it's really overwhelming when you're faced with trying to find trustworthy and helpful information when you're going through a divorce. And since we have over 150 episodes to date, we know it can be hard to hunt through them all to find the one that answers the question that you have, but not anymore. Visit the divorceandbeyondpod.com website and click on the Divorce Topics tab on the menu bar. You're going to find pages dedicated to all kinds of divorce topics, including parenting, finance, high conflict, taming your emotions, mental health, and so much more. So be sure to check it out today at divorceandbeyondpod.com. Stay tuned for more from Olivia Summerhill as she shares everything you need to know about maintaining your standard of living after divorce. Because it's not just the money. We don't need just the big amount of money to live. We need to understand what our needs are and get to the root causes of what that fear is driving us towards. And we want to address that during the divorce process so the anger doesn't just boil up. If you are enjoying this episode, check out last week's show with Vasya Serentopoulou, who joined me to talk about the trap of perfectionism and how you can escape. I want you to be a perfectionist and be able to accept failure, reframe failure, learn from failure, be able to be compassionate with yourself and when you're struggling, reach out to other people, be able to take a break and rest and give yourself a good self-care when you're struggling. So yes to high goals, fantastic, but in a healthy way. And now we return to today's show. People are very concerned that their life is and their lifestyle is going to take a hit in the, in the post-divorce life. And frankly, unless you are very affluent, really in that that place where the money can be split between two households and yet those households can continue to run effectively the same way, um, which we both know that's a, a pretty high stratosphere of client. Most people are going to have some effect. In fact, I, I looked up some of the stats because I wanted to throw them 
um, in here. Um, it said that on average, divorcing of individuals would need to make 30% more than they were at the time of the divorce in order to maintain their marital standard of living. And cutting costs is a necessary and unfortunate part of maintaining your finances after divorce for the majority of people going through it. So I know, and I realize most of your clients are in that ultra high net worth arena, uh, but I know you also work with, you know, in your philanthropical work and just with, a, you know, have so many initials after your name. I know you understand all of this. How do you prepare people to start looking at life after divorce, knowing that unless I'll just use those numbers, 30% more money is coming in, they're, they're going to have to cut costs. We're going to take a pause and a deep breath here because that's what I do with my clients. <laughs> um, I do that at the beginning of every session, just because I think meditation and really relaxing through the financial strains is really a good, it produces a good result. So we're going to take a breath. Everyone listening is going to take a breath. And because we're talking about the biggest taboo, divorce, finances, right? And now we're about to talk about cutting our lifestyle. So yes, I do work with ultra high net worth. So this conversation does though play into a lot of the work I do um, uh, with a, a few organizations actually. So when we talk about cutting lifestyles or 30% less, it I that statistic I would have to say is too low. Um, <laughs> I've seen a lot and especially in different countries, cause I work internationally. It is absolutely, um, imperative to know that during divorce and post-divorce, it is going to change your lifestyle if you're not affluent. And the, the beginning is the same. It's the values. So one, having someone listening who's a professional who can actually make those good decisions and not listening to what your sister or second cousin did in their divorce. And I know, I know. And so once you're listening and you're being heard, you're going through what your biggest needs are, you're addressing your financial fears because it's not just the money. We don't need just the big amount of money to live. We need to understand what our needs are and get to the root causes of what that fear is driving us towards. And we want to address that during the divorce process. So the anger doesn't just boil up because I'm in behavioral finance, neuroeconomics, it's all emotion and finance and divorce on top of that. My goodness. That's why we take a breath, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So once we address all of those and we get to the values, that part it's with every single person, you've got to know where do you want to be as a person? And a question I like to ask, which is just very random, but I'm going to ask it to the audience today is where do you not want to be in five years? I'm usually a very positive person, but this gives me a lot of insight when I ask that to clients, uh, whether it be um, someone who's just you know only married a year and getting divorced or someone who's been married 30 years and getting divorced, where do you not want to be in, in five years? So that question once I get the answer to that, or if you're just listening today and you're writing down what you don't want in five years, that could really help you get to, okay, well, yes, I might have a different lifestyle or 30%, 40%, 50% difference. And I don't need the exact amount of dollars as two years ago, as I will in five years, if I know my values and my plan to get there in my guided path. And at the same time, we also will bring in the right professionals. I'm a huge advocate that 
you need to have the right professionals. And if you can't afford the right professionals, listening to something for free online, you can do that. You can get a book from the library about what, what we're talking about today. Um, if you can't get, you know, uh, and so what I would do is if you could afford a career coach or the right professional, like a therapist, money consultant, whatever it may be, um, helping you through this process. Great. But again, there's resources. If you can't afford that to understand in five years, it doesn't need to be the exact same lifestyle. So we don't need to have the exact same number. You could still survive. What you really just did there is you hit the fear head on, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? You went straight to the fear. Where do you not want to be in five years? So you're making people look at what is their big fear about not having enough. I, I love it because there's such power in that because they have to look at the boogeyman or the monster under the bed or in the closet, right? This is what you're really afraid of. Are you afraid you're going to be living in your car or that you won't have enough money to do something in particular or that you're you know, living in a certain way, can't maintain the house, whatever that is. And so that you can then turn that around and start working on a divorce settlement that will help you not be there in five years. This is so important. This is such a key. I really want to emphasize it for people because as a divorce attorney, the one thing that always breaks my heart with clients is when they're so focused on marital, what I call the marital pie, right? Making sure they get their their fair share or their equal split of things without ever looking at if those that's going to get them where they want to go in the future because they never even want to look at that future. They don't want to peek behind that curtain. And then they get there and they're a year past the divorce and they're like, I'm living in a house I didn't don't really want. I can't afford. I didn't make plans to go back to school, but I'd really like to. I don't have, you know, a child plan that works. It's there's such power. I love that question. That is like so important to be asking yourself. Where do you not want to be in five years? And every fear, let's just say this out loud. Every fear is valid. Whatever fear you have is absolutely 100% valid. It just needs to come out of your subconscious because that's the work I do as well. It's everything we hold inside of ourselves. Most of the time it comes from our childhood you've got to address it or else you also, we could talk about this part all day is you also, if you don't address these, you're going to land in the exact same relationship post-divorce. I see this all the time is when people don't do the work on themselves or they don't address their fears, especially with finance, they could have, they could have gotten the best settlement in the world. You know, you could have been their attorney and mediator, whatever. Great. But they're not going to actually be fulfilled, content, satisfied, happy if they don't do the work. And then they're going to be so discontent. They're going to just go right into another relationship, either too quickly or the exact same personality as their ex. Um, and so that's another thing that I work on is let's, let's address okay, why are we trying to run to another person? Is it because you haven't ever had that solidified conversation with your family as a child of what does money mean? Or you never had anything as a child. So you need to be attached to someone who's secure and controlling and powerful with money. All of these things need to be addressed. So your feelings are valid, whatever feelings and fears you have. Let's just, you know, have that, that in the, in the, the conversation today. 
Yeah, well, that's important. I'm glad you said that because I don't want to make it sound like we're saying some of these fears are not grounded in something. You, If you're afraid of something or you're worried about it, you probably have some basis mm-hmm. in that. What I really find interesting is uh, I just recently had on Dr. Elizabeth Fedrick, um, who's a psychologist, and we did we unpacked how your relational programming from your childhood will since really affect your future relationships if you don't do some work on that. Why you picked your current spouse who may not be the right person for you, and why there's you know these astronomical rates of divorce for second and third marriages. But what you've pointed out is the first time I've heard someone point this out around needing to do the work fina- around this financially, that you're you're also picking up relational programming from your family of origin or your younger years when it comes to finances. But you're so right, right? Like our, if you grew up in a family where money was an issue, which money is almost always an issue for anybody, but whether there's too much of it or too little of it, or your parents were controlling with it, or they were too loose with it, or, you know, whatever those things might be, that also carries forward into your relationship. So you're a hundred percent right. It's a, it's a really interesting thought that it's not just working on your interpersonal relationships. It's working on your, your financial relationships as well. Yes. And a lot of the times I get referrals from psychologists, the top in the world, because they don't want to talk about the finances because they're uncomfortable as well. So it goes, it just plays this circle of it's really something that everyone needs to work on, unfortunately, because again, no one likes talking about money besides maybe me, but I mean, so I'm sorry. You're doing a good job of it. I'm sorry, everyone, that I'm saying, you know, you got to do some work here, but once you do it, it, it sets you so free. It's just, that's part of that empowerment we talked about. So it's really a great thing to do in life. And the coaching part of it, you know, I've had coaches in a lot of different areas, business coaches um, and different coaches in my life. And it makes a huge difference in how you approach things. But it's it's a very difficult process. Like it's not just as you go downstairs. I live in an apartment building. So I go downstairs to the gym and the the trainer, who you know, my coach, my physical exercise coach puts me through my paces and I hate it. I hate it when I go to my business coach or any other coach that I work with because it's hard work. You have to face a lot of things and really think about things that we as humans would much rather, I call it ostrich syndrome, right? We'd much rather stick our heads in the sand. But the key word to all of this is that empowerment, um, which I think is a word gets, that gets thrown around a lot. But we actually see people when they've been empowered and that as an end goal, trite as it may sound, is well worth taking those steps to to get there. If you are sitting there and as you said earlier, I know someone who's listening right now is feeling disempowered, is feeling out of control, is feeling scared and fearful. Trust me, understanding and doing this work with someone like Olivia, it it will change your entire, not just your relationship, perhaps with your ex and in the world, it's going to change your future and how you look at how that future can unfold, I think. So the work that you do is just so important. I just, uh, we're running close to the end of time, but I, I, I don't want to let you go before. Maybe you can just give a couple of your top tips um, as people are in divorce, maybe things that you see people make mistakes about or, you know, as they're looking forward, what would your couple, two top tips for people? 
Oh, limiting it to two. I would say the first thing is really, I mean, I, this is the same. So I'll do three. Let's do communicating. That's just the tip of how are you feeling? Talk to your team. If you are fearful with the finances, talk about it to your lawyer or whoever you've hired and really address those fears and communicate. So that's one. Another, so if we're talking about just during divorce, um, not hiding assets, and then also knowing that the significant other could be hiding assets. So there's two twofold there is do not at all try to, you know, finagle your way out of not letting your team know about something that you've hidden downstairs in the basement or you're opening an account and putting money aside. Uh, don't go there at all with the finances. And then also know that if you have the right team or if you need the resources, they're out there to understand where hidden assets are for the other person in the relationship. That's just something to be aware of because you know you can actually find hidden assets in a lot of ways that some of them, it's just not easily found. So another part of that is credit card points. Don't forget about those. So easily found and easily hidden, same kind of deal. So making sure that you understand where everything is financially is another thing. And some things that we can do is look at the tax returns. So talking to the right professionals, if you have never, ever seen a tax return and you don't even know what I'm talking about, that's fair. I get that because most of the time, 50% of the relationship hasn't even seen that they signed off on it or not each year. So getting the right professionals involved to help you understand what the tax return was looking at and understanding what you're about to get into hiring the professionals is the the best thing as well. So that's another little tip. Yeah. Oh, those are all so good. And actually, as you're talking about the hidden assets, Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to need to have you come back on. I would love that. Another episode. I think that's one, you know, we haven't done that one. And I think that's another topic that is going to be really so everybody Olivia will be back I'm putting her on the spot here but Olivia will be back I love that topic we could go on that yes that's a great topic to talk about okay so stay tuned and in the interim what is the best way Olivia for people to get in touch with you find out more about you follow you on social media what's what's the best way I don't do social media. I have my website. It's the Summerhill Firm. Just look me up online and my podcast, Divorce for Wealthy Women. That's easy. Ask questions, reach out. I'm here for you. Yeah. Well, and as you can see, Olivia is a font of information. I've already invited her back. So go and listen to the podcast and reach out to her. I'll have her contact information in the show notes and stay tuned for how to find hidden assets with Olivia. So I really appreciate this has been such a, I mean, truly for me, even surprising information. I love how you approach what you do, Olivia, and I really appreciate your sharing it with my listeners. Thank you. Thanks for having me. you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.